Hey, welcome to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. All right. Well, welcome, 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 welcome to another week of banter. It's Monday. We got an early banter this week. We do. What a yeah. treat. What no. a treat. We, we had a big staff meeting today, and yeah. the only day we could get all of us in was Monday. The so. butcher's paper was out. The whiteboard markers were incorrectly being used on them. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> it was great. And um, I have a question for you. Mm. I um, personally love a bit of arts and crafts. Yeah. What is, if you had to choose, your like favourite medium of like art? Did you ever enjoy art at high school? Uh, I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> but um, I enjoy, I guess, paintings. Like mm. I like going to museums mm. and galleries and looking at... 18th century, 17th century artwork. Mm, I do yeah. enjoy that. And because a lot of it is particularly European, yeah. um, art has a lot of Christian stuff. So I find totally. it interesting from a Bible nerd perspective. Like, look how they depicted Jesus and John the Baptist and Mary yeah. in like these European settings. So, yeah. so good. Um, yeah. Even though, like, yeah, very, like, gory. Like, the beheading mm. of, like, you know, John the Baptist yeah. being served on a plate or something. It's, like, uh, yeah, horrific. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so, so good. I haven't done it for a while. Mm. Actually, no, there was a while there we'd go to art galleries yeah. every now and then. I mean, look, the last two years haven't been ideal. No, that's true. G- gallery attending. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I'm, I'm a big fan of, like, those, like, you know, kind of Christian paintings. But I do, um, I really used to love working in clay. Okay. Yeah, it was like really fun to make like things out of like clay and terracotta and stuff. So um, my like sister-in-law Mary, they like her and her fiance are getting married soon. She's making all these little like clay candle holders. Okay. So like every Friday night, I like come home and her and like my wife have been making like all these like little clay candle holders. And I'm like, yeah, that was fun. I enjoy. I used to enjoy that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a bit jealous that they're getting to do, get their terracotta on. Part, this is part of wedding prep that um. A lot of work goes into something that is a table decoration, which will probably be appreciated by someone maybe for 10 seconds. Yeah, yeah. And this is the thing as well. It's like, oh, you know, that's not so hard. It's like, okay, cool. Only 99 more to make mm, now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a few weddings Rach has done the floristry because, you yeah. know, she's very creative. Yeah. And, and yeah, she doesn't do it anymore. She hates it. <clears throat> but there's one wedding we did. I had to, it was so big, I had to help her out, which is getting pretty desperate. When, <laughs> when Mitch is yeah. helping out with the flowers. I was doing the table decks, like just getting random flowers and shoving them in like yeah, the yeah. vases. It's yeah. like, oh my goodness, like so much work. Yeah. Like something like that. And it wasn't even like pretty. It's just me just going, like actually, like you see some weddings where it's just immaculate. Like, oh, the hours of prep work for. Yeah. Hundreds, thousands of dollars. Yeah, and someone's just going to like come in five seconds and ruin it all. But <coughs> it makes for one excellent photo. It does, which I guess. Is what it's all about. Yes, you know that one photo. If it didn't happen on Instagram, are you even no, married? No, you know? no, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's like one sort of element of your wedding that, looking back on it, you're like that was a pain? Just the logistic of it. Uh, look, I didn't have to do a whole lot. It was yeah. more my wife. I think that um, probably the invites that was pretty time-consuming yeah. and painful. Yeah. And well, you had a fairly simple wedding. Nice. As a garden, and we had a picnic. Great. So Can't go wrong. Bought rugs. There's well, a few it tables. Rained. I guess it could have gone. We wrong. did have a marquee in case it did rain, but it didn't rain. It was very windy, but it didn't rain. Yeah, nice. So we had some tables for like the oldies. Yeah. You couldn't sit, but most of like our friends are like, have a rug, sit yes. down, and it was like, yes, 
so yeah, good. Picnic style. So. so good. Probably the most effort I put into our wedding was the playlist. Which was like a way to like it went for like seventeen hours or something. I don't know what I was thinking. Hours. I just got so excited. I may be a bit hyperbolic, but like it was just way longer than it needed to be because yeah. I think I got overexcited. But people specifically commented that it was a great playlist. Okay, <laughs> and and it, I wasn't I wasn't fishing for compliments. Okay. They said great great mix. Okay, playlist. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't think we had any music because we're outside. Yeah, this is true. Well, we had we had live music during the ceremony, yeah, nice. but like so good during the reception picnic, nothing. Yeah. And you look back on it and you're like, oh man, it just like goes by so quickly. Yeah, dude, totally. <laughs> Very much so. Glad we didn't spend a lot of money for our wedding. Yeah. Yeah. We did it on a budget. Yeah. If you put wedding before anything, wedding flowers, wedding cake, wedding dress, suddenly 10 yeah, times Yeah, well, we did. Expensive. Rach made the cake. Rach did the flowers. Dress was online and they kind of did it themselves, fixing it. And yeah, we did it. Well, mostly Rach and her parents did it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, like, yeah. So, good. so good. <laughs> I, I just did a bit of lifting for things. Hey, so. that's it. You know, yeah. you're, you're, you're the, uh, you're the brunch, the brains. You know? <laughs> yes, it's it, hey. Love it. So good. Yeah. We're going from an incredibly feminine topic to yeah, an incredibly yes. masculine topic. Sport. Sport. <laughs> Sport Sunday. It's yeah. very exciting. Um, for those of us who weren't there um, or maybe were yeah a bit confused by the the video and everything mm. which i don't know why they would be yeah. but just in case um what's the broader idea of yeah, sports so, sunday so sports sunday is organized by sports chaplaincy australia it was actually meant to be september 11th but i mean yeah marketing yeah, team maybe didn't yeah, think that one yeah, through did yeah. they <laughs> anyway it just didn't work out for us <laughs> yeah, but sure. the, but the two weeks after because we had a we'd finished our series it's like yeah. oh let's do that so the point of um sports sunday is for churches to be encouraged to get people who are keen to share jesus in their sporting to communities to become mm. chaplains mm. and so what happens is say your daughter plays netball um and you're like oh well you know i can be the chaplain to my daughter's local netball club and so mm. you do the training and yeah like you when you rock up to the game with your your kid you're there to be sort of that Christian yeah. presence. And people kind of know, oh, if you want to talk about God or have problems, go talk to Sally. She's mm. the chaplain. And so that's the that's yeah. the base behind to encourage churches to become missional, to engage where a lot of Aussies are at, which yeah. is around sporting clubs. So, you know, yeah. a lot of cricket, footy, netball, all that. And so, totally. and Sports Chaplains in Australia, um, th- they have a lot of like, chaplains who like work in nrl clubs or other professional mm-hmm. clubs and i think it's in the nrl there's such a demand they yeah. can't get enough chaplains yeah. they recognize like professional sporting yeah clubs recognize the they value thrive. of chaplains yeah. and so they're pushing it so for us it's obviously being a sports center mm. you know, mm. kind of is a bit of a natural fit yeah so. absolutely but also a little bit same same but different because we don't have apart from the dual warriors we don't really sure. have club so we just have yeah. randos who come and form a team well you know i say it in a nice way <laughs> in, a, in a loving way <laughs> in a loving way yeah. like you know like people form no, a team totally yeah but they're not part of a club here yeah. you just play 
like in Wednesday morning netball ladies say a bunch of friends who play yeah they're not part of a team so it's a little yeah. bit different here we're not for sure yeah the uh, way that probably mm, a lot of people grew up in a sporting club mm. sort of always being the I don't know yeah East, well I actually used to play for a team called the East Hills Devils anyway there we yeah, go yeah. So that's a complete digression yes. um, we had one guy on the team who wasn't allowed to play he had to go to the East Hills Angels oh there <laughs> the you go team. there you go oh uh, the Devils you know, and the Angels my, uh. my pagan parents did not care that I was playing for the, the East Devil, Hills Devils so. yeah. but um so with Sports chaplaincy, then mm. we kind of have this word chaplaincy, mm. and you looked at Saint Martin of Tours, yeah, who a, I think was a missed opportunity for our Saint series coming up. Yeah, he wasn't maybe actually. next year. Yeah, yeah, we can <laughs> got Saint Martin some more. Yeah, so um, Martin was a soldier in the Roman Empire, mm. and when he went to Gaul, as said on Sunday, he saw a beggar mm. and cut his cape in half. The kappa. Mm. I don't even know how you meant to say it. I don't know Latin. So any Say Latin speakers, I'm sure you can. yeah, you just pretend, you know. <laughs> and, uh, any Latin speakers out there can correct me. And he gave half of his um, robe to his mm. beggar, and then Martin was, I guess, challenged by it that this is part of like looking after Jesus. And so I couldn't find it, but I'm assuming the verse was from Matthew twenty-five forty. Any sure. of the least of you know, any you do for the least of these brothers of mine, you do so for me. And then his cape kind of became like a relic mm. you know like yeah. church back then made I think relics and so <laughs> as you do <laughs> yeah anyway so this cape was half of this cape was stored in yeah, right. um, you know, there's a, the, the capella where, mm, and yeah. this is where the word chapel comes from where ah. the robe of Christ is stored yeah. and then the keeper of the cape was the capellanus that's how you say it oh, right. anyway, and then that's where the word chaplain Right. from. So do you know if this cape can still be visited today? I don't know. Maybe we can Google it. Sounds like the kind of thing that probably could. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Somewhere. Very cool. So that's kind of where the word chaplain comes from. At the base of it, it's about just sharing God's love and care. Yeah. And that's sort of the challenge. Like, hey, it doesn't take like a super spiritual person yeah. to metaphorically cut the cape yes. in half. Like to see someone in need. Yeah. Like there's ways that we can mm. do that. I guess like the book of James is like, hey, you know, like if you see a brother or sister in need, Mm. don't just say oh you know be warm and fed like actually mm. do something and so yeah that's where that idea of chaplaincy that like it's not hard it's not for those who've like memorized their bible inside out back to front or pray mm. for five hours a day it's just like hey if you love jesus like sure. that love should flow out and you should be able to just walk alongside someone yeah and be it should there be when a natural it. outpouring yes. kind of thing so very cool mm. so uh, i suppose yeah this might be a bit of a digression mm. but how would you describe the sort of spiritual person? You've kind of said, you know, mm. praise for five hours a day, yeah. but maybe in a more sort of day-to-day -day mm. sense, um, who we don't need to be. Because obviously, yeah. like in a way, like as Christians, we want to mm. be spiritual. Yes. Right? I don't think we'd be telling any Christian that we don't mm. want them to be spiritual. But what is maybe the kind of spiritual yeah. that we're referring to when you're saying uh, you don't need to be in inverted commas yeah, spiritual? Like a super Christian. <laughs> underlined in yeah, bold yeah. italics. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess like if you kind of think about the days when there was like saints and monks. Sure. Like to be like back in the day to be a super spiritual Christian, one that took a vow of poverty and mm. lived in the monastery, and that was yeah. your life. You prayed, mm. you worked around the monastery, and preached the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so, look, it's probably a little bit. It's probably like that. It's like, hey, it doesn't you don't need to be a monk to be able to do this. You don't yeah. need to be because there's mm. some people out there who kind of feel, well, I've 
never been to Bible college. I've never mm. like kind of done any formal trial. I can't do ministry. Mm. It's like, well, it doesn't require, that's what I mean. It doesn't require someone that has like super spirituality in inverted commas. Sure. You don't need a theological degree to mm. just show the love of Jesus. That should just be a natural part of yeah. who you are. Yeah. As we were saying earlier. So yeah. that's, that's really the idea. And yeah. I don't know if that idea is really worries people anymore but yeah what do, you, what do you mean by that? oh like uh, well, I think um, I don't know I, I think now probably Christianity shifted a lot people probably don't think of mm. you know pro- like probably growing up it was probably like a thing you need to be praying for this many hours a day and reading this many mm. chapters of the Bible mm. probably not as people mm. are probably not as worried by that yeah it into that anymore well, it kind of makes me think of mm. that quote that you quoted the previous uh, executive officer of yeah, Sports Chaplaincy, yeah. Cameron Butler, where mm. he said, people don't want religion. They just want authentic yeah. chaplains. I think there's a lot to tie in yeah. with that. And I think even part of that authenticity is saying, I don't know, when mm. people mm. ask you a really mm. curly theological question. Well, even just simply practicing what you preach. Mm. and. It, Rightly or wrongly, and sometimes, well, stereotypes become stereotypes because there's usually a lot of truth to it. But, sure. like, a lot of people perceive Christians as just being hypocrites mm-hmm. who, you know, say one thing and do something else or yeah. very judgy. Sure. So I see that, like, the authenticity is like, well, I say I follow Jesus, so you want there to be some sort of joy and kindness mm. and a level of obedience to the teachings that you say you follow. Mm. There's, mm. um, yeah, it's interesting whenever, like, say, a well-known pastor falls, mm. even, like, people non-Christian, like, hey, like, yeah, you're actually meant to be, like, a pastor. Aren't you meant to be a Christian? Like, you're supposed to live, yeah. like, this certain way and you're not doing yeah. that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. That's why I say, that, like, authenticity is, like, you know, there's yeah. no double-mindedness, no Mm. what's on the outside is reflected on the inside. Yeah, mm. it's really cool. Mm. I don't know if he was um, sort of quoting um, somebody else, but I know Tim McBride at Mauling said, as Christians, we should be called to be strangely attractive. Mm. And I think, like, ultimately, I'm like, okay, like, I suppose part of, you know, sharing the gospel is going, hey, like, the way that I live life, Mm. Right, the way that I am able to engage with the world and with others uh, is an attractive model yeah. and something that you know I can help point you towards mm. as well. And I think there's that part of you know if we're hypocrites, you know, say, like, well, I don't want to be a hypocrite. You know, yeah. I don't want to be somebody who is um, self-righteous. You know, I don't want to be somebody who, yeah, like ultimately is not a, an, an attractive person, you know? Um, and I think that that's like a really interesting challenge in authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we are talking before we started recording about, I think maybe Australians even more so than other cultures have a real like BS radar, mm-hmm. essentially. It's like, hey, if you're being fake, like I'm going to spot it a mile away and it is not in any way an attractive quality. No. Yeah, it's, um, it's one of the things that, have noticed a little bit say on like social media it's been a bit of a pushback against this sort of fake lifestyle of instagram there's apparently yeah. this new social media app i forgot its name where basically if you want to take a photo you're given like a two minute window and that's it which seems like still too much time. does but like the <laughs> idea is to try to avoid and there's no filters there's yeah. no because trying to move away from that yeah. instagram perfect fake lifestyle that people are yeah and trying to be, well, as authentic as it can be mm. in a two-minute. Mm. But it's like, okay, this is where you are right now, and there's no, like, mm. lighting to make it look better. It's like... 
Well, yeah, there's even a photo of my mum and her three siblings when they were at a certain age, you know, kind of all under 16, you know, say. Um, and it's the one photo that they have, like, of them mm. at that age. And my mum's eyes are closed in it. Like, she blinked in the photo. Yeah, and they wouldn't have found out until a month later. When yeah, they got, they got developed. You know, and this whole thing, like, the way, like, that is a cherished photo for mm. them. Whereas now, if we took that photo, we'd, like, Delete throw it. it to the bin, you know. So it is very interesting, yeah. that whole, like, authenticity even coming through mm. our technology and our media. Hmm, very mm. fascinating. Might have to get on that yeah. social media. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm obviously not on social media enough already. Yeah. Um, so... How do then, because the, the next kind of question is, well, the mm. first question you kind of posed was, do you need to be spiritual to cut a cape in half? Which mm. I think the answer is no, you don't no, need to be yeah. a Franciscan friar yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. to be able to cut a cape mm. in half. Um, just need a pair of scissors. But mm. how do I direct a conversation <laughs> yeah. to make it spiritual? Was sort that of is, that second question. There's a brilliant question. Mm. and Thank you. You asked yeah. it. But. <laughs> I did. I did. Well, and I... The answer is depends on the context. Yeah, I think, and that's it. Seems like a cop out answer, but there's truth to it. There's um, honestly, it depends on a person, their life mm. circumstances, where they're at. Um, yeah. Part of our planning meeting, we we're talking about evangelism, and Brian mentioned the contagious Christianity. I keep going called courageous, contagious. Yeah, and just the different forms of evangelism. And yeah. there's some people who need to be really gently led. Mm. Others like. Maybe you just need to smack him in the head with a Bible. Sure. And but in terms of leading conversation, um, yeah, I had the, I knew this guy. He was a natural evangelist, and watching mm. him in action, I learned a lot. He was very good at talking to people, and then when they raised something, would try to steer it like either towards Jesus or towards spirituality. Mm. So I remember we were in Regent's Park. I caught up with him. We're in the local takeaway, and he goes, "Oh, I noticed you've got a." a picture of a cross here like are mm. you religious and then he used that to talk about oh like what's your background and I was like man like that was he really perspe perceptive on mm. that when we hung out with Muslims he was like okay how's your prayer life how's like he was mm. I guess those people had like a religious background but yeah. that was just what he was he was good at listening and then when the opportunity came up the kind of oh I noticed you said that like mm. what does that mean for you so mm. that'd be one thing um yeah, but again, like I said, it depends on the person you're talking to. If you're talking to like an average Aussie who has no religious beliefs, mm. going, hey, what do you think about Jesus could be a bit like yeah, hard. Or, yeah, like uh, I think with the situation of the world being as it is, and depending on what it is, say like you're talking about the Ukraine or cost of living is like, well, you know, how like these worries in life, what, it, does it, what do you think is the whole purpose of this? And using that to try to mm. lead that to something deeper. But... Again, it all depends on the context, the person, the time you got, like where they're mm. at. So probably mm. no one perfect answer, but yeah, yeah from my experience, just li active listening and mm. s listen to what people say and what cues. Yeah. Also, too, I remember us seeing a cross. Because I tried that once. I saw a lady <laughs> wearing a cross. I said, oh, I know you got a cross on here, religious. Oh, no, my mother gave me this. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> it keeps me safe from the vampires. <laughs> Shut that conversation down. No. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I suppose that's going to happen sometimes. But I really like that, having your ears and your eyes and even your spirit open to, you know, mm. what, what's actually going on yeah. and sort of tying it back. There's, look, and this is probably more for, yeah, I don't know, people who've got maybe that gift of listening to the spirit. But I've heard it from a few people who, um, when my brother and I were helping out with Red Frogs mm. up at Winter Magic and mm. they got 
Oh, yeah, yeah, red frogs are schoolies. I kind do of know chaplain. red frogs. I think winter magic might be helpful just to contextualize. Winter, ma- so for some winter magic is a celebration up in Katoomba and the Blue Mountains of the winter solstice. So basically, it's a pagan festival. Sure. And um, the festival was so bad, like it was so notoriously dangerous that council were going to scrap it. Mm. And so the pastor at Blackheath Baps, he said, "Hey, if we have chaplains through red frogs out there." The statistics have shown in schoolies like the level of crime and underage drinking and all this reduces. Mm. And so they let like the red frogs. So we got a whole bunch of Christians from like the mountains to join in. And yeah, like I had to call like one kid's parents and because Mm. I was so grateful. I found him just like half passed out and his mates freaked out. And I said, you know, I'm gonna have to call, I can't remember his name, his parents. And they were just grateful that I did yeah, that because they would rather their kids safe than passed out in the gutter yeah, in Katoomba yeah, yeah. in the middle Some of the pagan night. festival. Yeah, <laughs> so um, where was I going? Oh, yeah, Winter Magic. Um, yeah, so there was a couple of the girls on team. They had like these crazy encounters. I was talking to this guy and then she just said, oh, I felt God's spirit say, pray for his back. Mm. And so she said, oh, look, I'm sorry. I'm going to say something that sounds odd to you. Like, do you have back pain? Can I pray for it? Because how did you know that? Mm. So they prayed for his back. and yeah. So that's another way too. Like God just sometimes prompts you yeah, conversation yeah. about that. Mm. Yeah. It's just some pretty cool moments that up at Winter Magic. It's such yeah. a spiritual event. Like They're heaps of like open to that. super open, yeah. like yeah, heaps of like like tangible spiritual warfare, but also heaps of like God moments where yeah, you had yeah, like yeah. people talking about stuff like that. So yeah, it, it's I sort of say like listening yeah. to what people are. Yeah. And I guess to be praying. It's one of the things that I try to do if I'm like, I think this conversation is going to lead to Jesus. Be like, come on, Lord, like, you know, open a door, give me words. Even as you're having that conversation. Yeah, like, yeah, it's great. Just to sort of also do be praying for spiritual protection. I remember at Winter Magic, we're talking to these, my brother and I were on the same, because we're in teams of three, we're on the mm. same team together with this other lady. And we're talking to these kids. And we asked, because I asked, oh, what are you doing? And I said, oh, you know, we love Jesus and this is why we're here, yada, yada. Mm. And I remember Andy asked this boy, he's like, hey, man, what, what do you think about God? And literally at that moment, this football smacked this kid in the head. I'm like, well, if that's not spiritual attack, then I don't know. As he's about to answer that question, one of his mates threw a footy at him. And it just, yeah. like, yeah. And it kind of just killed the conversation and they just ran off. I'm mm. like, oh, there you go. So, mm. yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, it is fascinating. I think um, that's like a like brilliant example of like what chaplaincy can look like, right? Yeah. Like just being available. Yeah. Giving, I mean, it's like literal just red frogs that you hand out. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. it's not anything too like impressive, to be honest. No. Like it's pretty simple. Yeah. But yeah, just being able to start those conversations. Mm. I think that, um, yeah, a lot of the time, <laughs> I reckon we can almost be more afraid to have those conversations than the people just like that we are yeah. being called to speak to, you know, like people. Oh. I think a lot of the time I'm fascinated by spirituality, are fascinated uh-huh. by, you know, even though I know today, like a lot of my secular mates are like, so what does it actually look like to be a pastor? What does it mm. actually look like to like, what do you guys do on a Sunday? Yeah. Like for Good an question. hour? Like, what are you doing for an hour mm. on a Sunday? Just those like kind of questions of curiosity yeah. that can really open found, the door. Yeah, I found like the bulk of Aussies, uh, probably more agnostic. Mm. I haven't met too many like actual atheists. Like, yeah. Maybe dig a bit deeper. They'll say, I don't believe. But they dig a deeper. Like, oh, yeah, maybe there's a God. 
Sure. So I'd say they're more agnostic. Yeah, like yeah, actually yeah. they believe in nothing I've found to be quite rare. I usually find people are just like, ah, who cares? Yeah, Might be yeah. something there, I don't know, and I don't really care. Yeah. Or whatever works for you, this works for you, this is what works for me. So Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which um yeah, is like a pretty um kind of hard defense to come up against really. You yeah, know, yeah. it's that classic, you know, um existentialist. It's like, well, mm. you know, you believe what you believe, I'll believe what I believe. It's mm. a tricky one to sort of mm. get around. But um yeah. It ties a little bit into that um state of theology response i said like absolutely lot, yeah yeah so yeah say. christianity today um put up mm. this you within a larger article mm. uh, was a state of theology statistics said only 50 percent of self-identified evangelicals mm. think jesus isn't the only way to salvation and mm. my question that i put underneath that is what do they think is salvation or how how do yeah. they think they get salvation other than jesus which well, you said that the article didn't necessarily go into. No, it's just it's just giving facts. So mm. like the the poll is like, yeah, the, what do you, is Jesus going to salvation? That's like disagree, like strongly disagree. You know, like sort of five answers on that range to strongly disagree to strongly agree. Mm. Um, I think some of it too is probably like Western countries, America, Australia, all that. But even amongst Christians, obviously, there's this sort of underlying, well, kind of whatever works for you works for you. It was sure. similar thing. I'm the Christian studies teacher at the at the school we were at previously. He did asked us in the question, and a number of it's like half the kids said something similar too. Mm-hmm. They go, "Oh yeah, like there's multiple ways to God." Mm. I suppose it's like, "Oh well, this is what works for me, and works mm. for you." We'll, yeah, and yeah. It's, like, it's really like compelling as. Um a guy I listened to, he's a like comedian who grew up uh, in a very like American Christian culture and has sort of like fallen away from his faith. And for him, he said one of the most compelling things was he had someone challenge him. It's like, well, if you genuinely believe that like people who don't believe in Jesus are going to hell, mm-hmm. essentially, um, you either don't really believe in it or you don't care about your friends. Yeah. Like this idea, like that's that's probably, I think for me, like maybe an element of it. It's like, well, look, I actually, I don't want to mm-hmm. face the reality of the, the other side of the coin of the good news, right? Yeah. Because the other side of the coin of the good news is, well, if my friends and family don't accept Jesus, what does their salvation and eternity look like? And thereby, well, oh, but my insert person is actually, they're a good person. Mm. Like they're a good person. And oh yeah, like I think that through their good deeds, they'll probably have mercy. Like mm. I feel like that might be part of it, that ultimately yeah. it's a pretty heavy thing. Like if, if you really are going to believe, hey, Jesus is the only way of salvation, that actually means for almost everyone, I would say, mm. that there's people that they love and care for and really like at the very least who aren't going to experience that salvation. And, and so and it raises, like, and I think rightfully so, deeply profound questions that you wrestle with. And, like, in, in the passage from Luke 10 yesterday, like, Jesus gets stuck into, yeah, Sherozin, Bethsaida, um, Capernaum, and he compares them to Tyre and Sidon, these mm. wicked nations yeah. from, yeah, back in the day of the prophets. And, and um, Jesus sort of riffs a bit off Isaiah 14, which is mm. like when you talk about Capernaum, we lifted to the heavens. That's Isaiah 14 talks about the king of Babylon. He tried to do that, yeah. going to heaven. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, no, nah, man, you're going down to Hades. Like, yeah. they're ripping into these Israelite cities. Like, 
quizzes? What yeah. happens if you reject me? Can you just read that passage? Yeah, sure. Right? So it yeah. says, um, woe to you, um, Shozin, um, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it would be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you lifted to the heavens? No, you'll go down to Hades. Mm. Uh, yeah, really, like, heavy language against, like, Jewish towns. Yeah. Uh, and look, quite, quite, quite shocking, probably for the original yeah. listeners to be like, what, you're comparing, like, mm. Tyre and Sidon? They're going to have a more bearable time than, like, us? What yeah. Are you, like, so it's something I'd love to talk mm. about because, um, and we'll go into it in a few ways, but... Mm. Obviously, there are elements of Jesus's commission to the yeah. disciples, to you know the seventy-two, um, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, but you know, I feel like for something like that, I mean, this this what you could probably categorize as a fire and brimstone message, right? Um, from my personal mm. experience growing up in Sydney, mm. isn't the most compelling message oh. for people who don't believe. Mm. Um, and it is an interesting context that you mentioned. He's speaking to Jewish yeah. towns. Um, yeah. How does that inform the way that we sort of navigate a sense of urgency mm. with a message that is contextual? Av- yeah, contextual yeah. to people who are going yeah. to immediately turn their back on a f- yeah. just hardcore black and white fire and brimstone mm. message. Yeah. So I, so I kind of answer with the Jewish part. They were, I think, for the Jews, like fire and brimstone probably even for them was a bit. Uh, Sure. There's probably people who did turn away from that. Yeah. But Jesus take on that sort of prophetic model. It's what the prophets did. They really hammered into that. Mm. Um, I think too, they would at least be more familiar with that style. Yeah. So sure, like the John the Baptist tears shreds off everyone yeah, too. Yeah, he's wild. <laughs> he's getting yeah. into them. Mm. So, well, of course, there'd be some who reject that. Mm-hmm. Also too, that's pro- it's probably something they're more, like it's more normal for them to hear that makes sense so they're exposed to that sort of style of teaching more than what we are yeah Um, contextualization for those who don't know it's basically presenting the gospel in a way that the culture understands yeah and so when I I remember doing a a mission subject it's Tim Keller Tim Keller says the gospel is offensive in on its own don't let like your cultural baggage add to that offense Hmm. So, so what he's saying there is not to water down the gospel, but to present it in a way that people are going to understand it. Because when you start to dig in the nuts and bolts, you're like, oh, the gospel itself is pretty offensive. Like, it's core. It's saying you're a sinner. Mm. You need Jesus mm. for salvation. Mm. Like, some that's deeply offensive. Like, what? Yeah. You're saying there's only one way of salvation? Yeah. They're so saying, like, don't add things to it that people are just going to go, no, I don't want to hear that because mm. of that language. And mm. so, so I'd say, like, I remember being in the CBD once and there was this street preacher just going on about, you know, repent me. And no one's listening. I was like, no. I was like, look, I admire your like dedication. But it's like, kind of just a waste of time because people, A, now, it's not like the days when like Wesley and yeah. Whitfield were preaching. Like John Wesley apparently went to the foot of the mines at the end of shift and just started preaching. Mm. And they all turned and stopped. And apparently, according to him, like there was soot, like tears streaked, like mm. crowds full of... But that might work because that was sort of like a society that there yeah. wasn't much entertainment. Yeah. There was church was sort of like 
the cultural yeah. norm yeah. and so they're more open to that well now well mm. people just aren't like that even sitting on a train mm. h and i will have a day like everyone here is on their phones you know yeah. people aren't on their phones are you and me and that guy asleep like mm. so trying to just talk to people on a train now mm. is like hey don't what are you doing don't yeah, so well, they have quiet a, carriages. Yes, <laughs> like don't so, disrupt me. <laughs> well, like once upon a time, like some people Christians would use their commute on the train to try to connect with people. Mm. So, mm. in that sense, yeah, it's, so it's understanding the culture around you, how people connect. Mm. probably for the average, I'll be going, "You're a sinner going to hell." They're like, "What? Mm. I don't haven't sinned. I haven't done anything wrong, and I don't believe in hell." So, like, mm. that's stupid. So, it, yeah, it's getting with people's. I use the term worldview, so where people yeah. understand how they perceive the world. Yeah. And obviously that's broad. Like so for the average Aussie, their worldview is sort of that maybe there is a God, maybe there isn't, or kind of ways yeah. need to Jesus. So it's very like unpacking that a bit more why mm. we need it, rather than going straight to you're a sinner. Because totally. have no concept of sin. Totally. So it's yeah. And I think like it kind of ties back into the unique position of chaplains Mm. of using a relational dynamic that you are organically Mm. already in whether it's a sports team or something else and then using those relationships as vessels to start Mm. sharing genuinely and authentically about your life rather than going up to a stranger and being like hey you're going to hell like that's not i don't i don't know anybody yeah i mean look power of the spirit sure there may be like power to you know, convict and compel, but ultimately, like, for our culture, this yeah. idea of chaplaincy, like, I can understand how, in a context where you're already there as a coach, player, mm. supporter, like, how it's compelling. And, and that relationship model, it, yeah, there's more traction, because we're not in an honor shame culture. Yes. So, in other cultures, like Jesus being a rabbi, that held a lot of respect. Mm. Even if you didn't disagree, even if you disagree with his teachings, sure. okay? like like even the Pharisees call him rabbi. Like okay, yeah, that yeah, we yeah. recognize you as a teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you're ele- you're you're given this level of status. We don't have sure. that. No. But what we're, our currency is trust and authenticity. Mm. And that's so good. that's one of the one of, and. I learned when in the time I did a bit of door knocking, it's like, it really is just like a transaction. It's like, oh, here, knock on the door. Hey, we're from the local church. We're just connecting with people. Blah, 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 blah. Would you be interested? No, shut the door. Okay. Like, and then sometimes he chat and made me realize it's like, well, there's no kind of relationship being built. There's no yeah. friendship. And I found, and when I did the like refugee stuff, mm. there'd be times I would chat to some of the guys. Mm. And I think if I never saw them again, I'd probably think, oh, they're about to become a Christian. Then I'd kind of see them later and they're like kind of almost back to square one where their faith is like, oh, man, like I thought we'd kind of gone over it. Like I thought we'd kind of pu- push this barrier, like Jesus becoming God and you're kind of getting it. But like, yeah. and so I realized that like somewhere it just takes time. Um, yeah. I had a lecturer at college and he said, in some cuts of the world, conversion's not the problem. It's actually discipleship. Some people have no problem going, yep, yeah. Jesus is Lord, I'll accept that. Yeah. And um parts yeah. of the world. <laughs> so here as well, yeah, really. Yeah, like yeah. Well, so so um, this missionary he worked amongst um Turkish gypsies. Yeah, right. And they did a it's an interesting paper, I've got it somewhere. So there was a someone got healed in the village and so they a whole village came to faith in Jesus and wow. for a reason they had to leave the country. And they went back about ten years later and of this whole village that had converted like 
very few of them actually had remained. Yeah. And so the problem is discipleship. They go over there, that conversion, oh, yeah, Jesus, Lord, we'll accept that. We've seen the healing. Yep. And it was actually, they all fell away because of the lack of yeah. discipleship. And that's what I've learned is that, yeah, it's not, some people, they convert and their life like almost transform instantaneously. Mm. Others, it's like this, yeah, mm. very long process to get them. And, and mm. That does kind of bring up like an interesting point around, um, you, you know, you kind of said the model that Jesus gave mm. was heal them and tell them the kingdom of God has come mm. near to you. Um, are we doing evangelism wrong? Does there Ooh. need to be more casting out of demons, more physical healings? Mm. Like, is, is, is that maybe part of what's yeah. missing? Possibly. It's interesting that Christianity, where it's growing the most, is usually in churches that are more Pentecostal. Mm. Like, yeah, particularly in South America, like the evidence is... Yeah, look, look a lot of these places still have a lot of, sort of spiritual beliefs mm. um so yeah there is actual casting of demons and more healings in like particularly mm. countries like india yeah, parts of south america and others where there's this belief in the spiritual and there is demonic possession of people mm. um yeah like i've read reports of that happening at mm. different evangelistic rallies like because mm. demon possession from what i've heard it's a bit different like into that now like modern times it's not like how the like you know we think of demon possession like the guy around the tombs yeah it's just like a constant thing yeah some missionaries say it's almost like a switch happens yeah and then they like their voice changes and yeah it's like whoa what happened there and yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah um yeah i guess the answer is look yeah probably would yeah i guess yeah. um but yeah. like but yeah. then if people too don't believe like this is also the then I heard the other side, like a few people that have actually been involved in healing people. Of, yeah. I don't know if I told you a story. Um, yeah, I think you mentioned yeah, it. About it was, the guy it wasn't back, on banter, yeah. Yeah, about the guy, yeah. person had a friend who was an atheist who had a bad back and was so desperate, asked him to pray. So he did. His back got healed and he's still like, oh, no, 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 it wasn't God. And it's like, dude, like, what more? Yeah. So and it was just his observation. That's probably why there's no healings in the West because I like, even happen. <laughs> people like oh, yeah didn't happen so yeah yeah hmm. yeah but so it is interesting oh look i think too yeah i guess again it comes to like contextual stuff if you start prattling on about casting out demons people go like what yeah oh, we don't even believe like yeah yeah it's mm. kind of knowing the audience mm. so i believe in the spiritual world yeah and that even there's some Christians who get a bit uncomfortable by that. There's a lot of Christians who yeah. get very like, uncomfortable like, by like, that. Like, 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 they kind of look at me a bit weird. I'm like, yeah. well, like, it's like, have you read the book of Mark? Like, <laughs> like, like, what, what kind of thing goes on? Like, yeah, and the so, Messiah of miracles, you know. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, it is. It is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we need to have a healing service here. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, mm. um, what's his name? I've forgotten his name. Apparently, some. He was an AOG pastor. I think he was in Australia. He mm. apparently had healing rallies in the early 20th century and some pretty wild things happened. Yeah. yeah. These healing services. Mm. So, mm. yeah. Because pretty simple model. Hey, you know, go and heal the sick and proclaim the kingdom. Yeah. Which, which I was trying to illustrate yesterday. It's a very loaded term. Like what it's do you about, mean? Like that? the kingdom of God. It's oh, yeah, about sure. God's rule and reign. It's about the eradication of. Yeah, I think that was. I asked this question months ago. I was like, what is the kingdom of God? It was really interesting. People just sort of looked like, 
yeah. kind of not, but I also don't know how to answer that. Yeah. And yeah, it is about like God's Messiah, the son of David ruling from mm. Mount Zion about mm. evil being removed, about, mm. the, about justice being installed. It's yeah. A, yeah, the, uh, like to use the Daniel image of, you know, Nebuchadnezzar has that dream about the, the giant statues, the yeah. gold, silver, bronze, and the rock coming. Like, that's it. That's what the kingdom, because Jesus in Mark chapter 1, especially thinks it's the time has come, mm. the kingdom of God is near. And a lot mm. of scholars like, kind of riffing off Daniel. It's like yeah. that idea, the time, the little the little stone that Nebuchadnezzar saw that came out and smashed. Yeah. That's the time that's happening. Mm. The, the, the toppling of... Mm evil empires mm. so i think like the toppling of evil very much comes through in this ex these exorcisms right mm, mm. like and i love that um i love the way the 72 return oh. uh in luke ten seventeen. they return to with joy yeah and say lord even the demons submit to us in your name like for me i read that with an underlying context of oh my goodness this is actually happening like yeah. you'll never believe it jesus like mm. even demons are submitting to us yeah. in your name um, and he replies, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Mm. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not mm. rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Mm. There's a lot of going on there, but I'd that love is. to talk a little bit. There's, there's not actually a lot in the Bible about the origins of Satan, what's oh. going on. And he is kind of, I don't know, I'm reading this as a little bit of a, you know, the the backstory of yeah. Satan. What's going on here? Um, I saw Satan so, fall like lightning from heaven. Yeah, so it seems to be, again, Jesus riffing from Isaiah 14. So when he's ripping into Tyre and Sidon and Capernaum, mm. it's kind of alluding to Isaiah 14. And again, it seems to be Isaiah 14. So Isaiah 14, I said, it's about the king of Babylon, his demise. Mm. And in Second Temple Judaism, that fall of um, the king of Babylon came to represent the fall of Satan. Mm. So it was Satan who tried to usurp God, try to get into mm -hmm. the highest heaven, and then he's been kicked out. Sure. So there's a bit of debate about, okay, did this happen at creation? Mm-hmm. Did this happen like when Jesus was born? Is it happening as the seventy-two are going out? Like, was yeah. it when's? Well, it's in the past. I saw so clearly. There's an element that it's a past event yeah. where Satan's, and so we don't. I, I actually don't think it matters the exact timing. Yeah. The point is, is that this is a sign that evil has overcome. Yeah. Um, in Jesus' temptation, Satan says, "You know, all this I'll give to you if you bow down and worship me." Mm. Actually, Satan wasn't lying. Because um, from a, I guess, a biblical sense, God appointed Adam and Eve, humans, to rule over the world. Mm. But they listened to the serpent rather than... And so the serpent, Paul talks... and um, Yeah, Paul and John both, you know, sort of talk about Satan being mm. the ruler of this world, the prince of darkness. Even mm. Jesus, John, you know, this idea that Satan is the ruler. Mm. And that's why we need a human to come and mm. take it back over and the crush the head of the serpent. So yeah. in seeing Satan's demise, and then Jesus saying, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Yeah. So that, it's language um, riffing off Deuteronomy where there's snakes and scorpions which represent evil, like mm. part of the evil chaos in the wilderness. Yeah. And also, as, um, 
in the Jewish mind, the sea and the desert are places of evil. Mm. The tohu, it's the same word so in Genesis when there's yeah. dark waters. So yeah. it represents evil. And so snakes and scorpions are places of evil. And so Jesus like, I've actually given you authority over evil. Mm. And there's a weird passage where Paul gets bitten by a snake. He's like, hmm, nothing happens to him. Yeah. It is wild. It is pretty wild. <laughs> and that's kind of part of it. It's like I've actually, the two creatures that represent evil in this world, or you've, I've given authority over them. Mm. And yeah, it's interesting, you know, the power of the enemy, nothing to overcome all the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you. It's very mm. interesting like this. Mm. You're protected from the forces of darkness, which I guess yeah. back then would have been quite terrifying. Uh, for sure. You, you see like the encounter with Legion. Yeah. The dude can't be tied down. Yeah, I mean, like, look, I think I'd be lying if I said there isn't still, like, a part of me that gets, like, creeped out by, like, Ouija boards or by, you know, like, some of those, like, fortune tellers at, like, markets where, oh, I'm getting bad vibes. Like, you know, I I ultimately have fear of the Lord and, you know, there's confidence in that. But, yeah, like, it is, I think even today, like, people are weirded out and even I think people who are atheists would like watch you know probably some movies about like a cult and stuff and yeah, still get freaked, freaked out, out. Well, like I, those scary movies it's scary yeah well, I, had a, I had a mate he worked at his job a couple of couple of ladies i don't I think they had no belief they mucked around with a ouija board and actually responded to him and yeah. they, he said they were like terrified because i didn't i think they thought it'd just be a joke and nothing would yeah, happen yeah, yeah. And it actually like worked and they were like yeah so, so that's a good inroads to kind of share Jesus with them. <laughs> in some ways, it's good because, like, okay, you now yeah. you kind of had a taste of the spiritual world. Like, yeah. there's forces out there that you don't really comprehend yeah. what you're messing with. Mm. Um, yeah, but oh, well, that's interesting. Like this sort of fall of Satan and Revelation 12 mm-hmm. alludes to this: the dragon that's chasing the woman, mm. and then the dragon is like cast out of mm. heaven. So, yeah, John seems to be. John slash Jesus, I should say, because vision from Jesus. Um, sure. Yeah, is saying, yeah, like he's reiterating that sort of imagery that Jesus from Luke 10 mm. is recounting of like Satan's been defeated and fallen. Mm. And, um, but ultimately, to use that excess imagery, like the Passover was the moment Pharaoh was defeated. And mm. similarly, Jesus' arrival, Satan's defeated, mm. but we're still waiting for the Red Sea moment. Which Revelation describes as him being cast into the lake of fire for eternity, mm. just like Pharaoh was chucked into the sea. So mm. Satan's mm. defeated, but still active. Mm. There's still, yeah, that excess imagery still chasing us down. Like, you know, mm. the Israelites are still in the desert. He's still a threat out there, but mm. he's a defeated threat. Mm. But then Jesus points him back, which I think is helpful as a spiritual warfare. It's like, ah, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Rejoice our names are written in heaven, mm. like the book of life. Like, that's the more important part. He's like, hey, yeah. like, yeah, this is like, this part of the kingdom, but the more important yeah. part is like, you actually, you're part of like, you know, my family. Yeah, the greatest it's, miracle is your eternal salvation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Not yeah, that yeah. they're casting out demons. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. just a yeah. signpost. NT right language, signpost to the yeah, kingdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Of that. So good. Uh, and I think m- maybe a kind of good sentiment to finish up on that talking, I mean, ultimately a lot about, you know, um, spiritual warfare mm. in this. Um, and you said, um, I suppose your, your challenge was regardless of whether we are a player mm. or, or a coach or, you know, sort of team manager yeah. or even a spectator on the side, 
or even not involved at all mm-hmm. <laughs> in any team in any yeah, capacity. Yeah. He said, "We can all pray that simple prayer that the Lord mm. of the Harvest will send workers into the field." Mm. Uh, I really love that, and I think that yeah, just the power of prayer in spiritual warfare, not just for ourselves but for the broader church. Mm. You know, there's a yeah. yeah. Get out in the harvest, guys. That's it. Yeah, get in the game. I love it. I yeah, love it. Yeah. Whether uh, in, uh, yeah, just being on a field or even just committing mm. it in, you know, the power of prayer. prayer yeah. So good. So I said yesterday, if you have a mind and a voice, you can be part of this. Well, love what it. Need. So praying good. in your mind or praying out loud. Doesn't matter. We need prayers for the harvest. So good. So we are um, uh, now moving into next week. We yes. uh, have another pastor's pick yeah, this, this week. Do yeah, we this is a, a bit of a... This is a bit of a... Oh, oh, my vanity project's the right thing. So um, <laughs> I look at Jesus cursing the fig tree. Fun. I love weird, the weird and wacky verses. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty weird and wacky. Yeah. And so it's kind of, kind of... So Murray and I have plans to teach the book of revelation yeah. sort of through the podcast and it's kind of a, not that this is revelation but a sampler kind of what it will look like so it's going to be a bit yeah. more like teaching rather than Fun. preaching which is kind of more like my alley i'm more of a teacher than a preacher so yeah. this is me getting my bible nerd on and getting yeah. people into thinking about the old testament and what does fig trees mean and yeah. why jesus cleansed the temple mm. and so and why did he curse that poor poor fig tree yeah, i know i think he didn't do any wrong did he oh, well did it but, um, you know god just hates figs yeah, you know he does. <laughs> nah, jesus was hungry man that's why that's obviously why well what a perfect way to leave it on yeah, yeah. just so, on an absolute well not heresy yeah. but on a biblical inaccuracy yes. uh, come listen and we'll rectify those um yeah, yeah. so so, so it should be fun banter next week. Yeah, we'll go. should be very fun banter. Yeah, Looking forward to depth. it. So that, good. So, Excellent. Yeah, all good. Well, thank you for joining us. Yes, thank thank you. you for the chat. Thank you, Murray. Nice. And uh, yeah, look forward to a juicy fig sermon yes. on Sunday. <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah, then, guys. Bye. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.